On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Ishmael Samuel. He's the co-founder and CTO of Paragon. We're going to be talking about, you know, onboarding in general, but actually the impact of adding a new hire, um, especially a, a high growth uh, startup. You're going to be adding a lot of people and how your day gets affected, how much time do you spend, how little time do you spend training and workarounds and lessons learned. And then hopefully if we get to it, I'd like to ask Ishmael about the hiring of managers because that's a whole different um, process and uh, impact altogether. Uh, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Amir. Um, I listen to your podcast. I'm a big fan. I'm definitely honored to get the chance to be on here and, and share uh, some of the things I'm learning myself. Awesome, man. Now, thank you for being a part of it. I can't I appreciate that very much. Um, I guess two things we'd like to start off with. One is to know what Paragon does. And then I know you're the co-founder and CTO, but that could mean a lot of different things. Just, just for context, give us a high level of both before we dive in. Yeah, Paragon is an embedded integration platform um, for software companies. So our customers are B2B SaaS uh, companies, and they want to connect to their customers' data within their product. So maybe they want to sync their customers, you know, Salesforce records, or you know, send messages to their customers Slack, um, uh, interact with uh, some third-party project management tool like Jira or Asana or um, whatever it may be, and uh, they. Uh, that product, that integration is part of their product experience. And so we offer a tool uh, where our customers can connect to Paragon once, uh, much like Plaid. Uh, and we offer integrations for this huge, uh, this huge catalog. And uh, once they connect with us, they get access to our entire catalog. From there, they can uh, build visual workflows and uh, have access to tooling for interacting with uh, integrations and um, get visibility, monitoring, uh, and other tools to to see the data flowing in and out of their system. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, sounds like an awesome product and, you know, growth comes with that, adding new people to the team. Um, as, and I guess just to touch on before we dive in, you're the co-founder CTO. Um, I know in a startup, you wear multiple hats. Uh, how much of your time is spent uh, as, as CTO? How much time is spent doing other stuff? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I, I wear a lot of hats and it changes from day to day. Um, I used to say um, uh, my job was firefighting. <laughs> uh, and so it's uh, just given any any day, um, what is the highest party thing that I could be working on from engineering? Um, but over time, um, it's become a lot more um, managing and empowering engineers, uh, growing a team, uh, unblocking people, helping with architecture. Um, assigning a uh, task, making sure people have what they need to do their best work. And so now I joke that uh, I'm a, I'm a butler. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, I guess uh servant leadership is uh, big. So um, you are in line with uh, other great leaders. Um, let's talk about, you know, your, your day and let's talk about, you know, when you hire people, because, uh, you know, honestly, you know, High growth teams, companies that are scaling, startups that are growing fast. I mean, your day could be a third to half spent um, in the recruiting, talent acquisition, interview world. Um, but but it doesn't stop there. You you actually make the offer, you bring somebody on board, and then they need to be onboarded, which obviously you take care of. Um, and I think, in a sense, we are talking a little bit about onboarding. But I think it's the next step after that um, in terms of the episode. It's about your day. Um, I, I'm assuming you know another engineering leader probably goes through similar things. Um, 
when you do hire somebody new, right, and you know you have to help this person get assimilated, you know, mentor, before all that goes in, how do you start blocking off in your mind your time to make sure that they're supported correctly? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think when an engineer um, comes into, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus all my answers within an engineering organization, um, when an engineer you know comes in, they're going to have a lot of questions. You know, they want to know where the code is, what does what, what data stores there are, how they can access those data stores, if there's any admin dashboards, you know, docs, things like that. And uh, you'll find early on that like you're answering a lot of the same questions over and over and over again. Um, when uh, I found that the best thing that you can do is actually prepare a ton of documentation, um, tons of tools, um, and just hand them over to the engineer and have them just kind of play around for like a day or two. <laughs> and so uh, usually when an engineer uh, comes in, they have enough things that they need to investigate and to do items that will take them through the application, understand where various things are um, before they can come and um, be assigned issues. Um, depending on the complexity of the application or the areas that they're working on, um, you can assign them tasks uh, right away. I think there's a lot of work that really goes into preparing this is like before even um you make the hire um to make sure that when they start they're working on the right thing so some of those things are um as issues are being filed um we'll label them like hey this is a good first issue um we'll label it with uh the area that it's in like hey maybe this is devops related maybe this is front end maybe this is a copy change uh, maybe this has to you know deal with like um uh, an api and so depending on uh, what an engineer's focus is, um, we can search by you know good first issue as well as um, other labels for uh, the area they're going to be focused in. Um, then um, I'm realizing more and more as our product gets more complex um, that it's important for them to have a holistic view of uh, what everything goes on. And so now we're having them do a lot of non-engineering tasks first. So using the product as a customer. Right, you know, creating an account, adding team members, which would be themselves, creating you know projects, creating workflows, uh, things that an end user might do, so they understand uh, the use case. And when they're working on their issues, they can do their own quality assurance before someone else could have used or tested. I think some of the legwork you're mentioning seems seems great. Um, have have them uh, gain a holistic view by using the product as a customer. You mentioned finding a good first issue. Um, is it the case where you potentially, you know, as you bring in, you know, different people, are you able to reuse some of this stuff? Hey, you know, this is a good starting point. We know for, let's say, mid-level engineers will reuse it. Or is it a case where every hire, because there's obviously, you know, a nuanced skill, you know, capabilities, everything, you're going to have to kind of adjust that every single time? Yeah. So we're, we're trying something new. Um, previously, we would uh, just file issues, right? And we use a priority system. Um, so P0 through P3, where P0 is like, this is on fire. This is the most important thing. Stop everything that we're doing. And P3, um, don't tell our product managers, but it's never going to get finished. <laughs> I'm never going to send anyone. Um, and so um, the P3s are usually like copy changes or, you know, something's off by like a pixel or like a missing border or something. And, um, it's 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 not a uh, a good use of our time where we're at today <laughs> as a company. Um, there's a lot that goes into a pull request that's not even necessarily directly related to the work. 
Um, so for example, every pull request has to have at least one additional test. Um, the code coverage has to be increased, and this has helped us trend to, uh, slowly towards 100% code coverage uh, over the last you know, few years. Um, we can't do, uh, we don't allow simple, you know, git commit, um, for a change. There's like a, a kind of a, a intake form on every commit that has to point to like a Jira ticket and all the stuff. It's a, a conventional change log. Um, then, uh, and other things that are involved between the, the labels on the pull request and the assignees and just really understanding the process. And if an engineer also has to figure out how this large system works, right? While trying to figure out all the stuff, it can be overwhelming. And so we try and have the initial issues be very, very simple so that they can just understand what some of the procedural things that they have to do include. Um, and so we used to um, have them work on just the same, uh, the same, sorry, not the same, but rather a very, very simple good first issue task, which um, while they're getting ramped up, that's still a, a good use of their time. But we found as our application you know, gets more and more complex, you know, we have a number of microservices, all these SDKs, um, uh, different data stores, all these caches, all the stuff. And uh, when engineers are programming currently, they have to load everything up on their machines. Um, and so instead of having them try and go through and figure out where everything's located, we found um, uh, something that we're experimenting with is not even having them directly jump into the repo, but having them go through some training where it's a separate repo altogether with uh, the same tools, libraries, frameworks, languages, um, et cetera. And they would go through the same tasks that other engineers I would go through that, would show them how we write tests, what our conventions are, um, what, uh, how to use the administrative tools. And the system that they're working on is much, much, much simpler. And so it helps ramp them up to our conventions and tools before working on something more complex. Hmm. Interesting. And I guess like as you're, you know, as you guys have added that, that learning, you realize obviously, you know, don't go into the main repo and and try to you know root your way around and figure things out. Go into a simpler repo. What, what do they, I guess are they just spending time assimilating, understanding what's there? Are there are there tasks or is there exercises that help them kind of understand then some of the code underlying and and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we use a number of very opinionated frameworks and tools. Um, I personally believe in convention over configuration. And I believe when there's established conventions, it leads to maintainability and uh, it's easier to work on very large uh, systems because the same conventions are used across the application. Um, and so learning those conventions um, is completely separate from learning language. You know, someone can come in and know, say, you know, Node.js or TypeScript, but the framework that they're using has its own specific ways of doing things. Uh, and so when there's a separate repo um, that uses one of these frameworks they can focus on learning those conventions and uh, do it in a void of a very simple use case and not be worried uh, about having to dive into all the dependencies and how things work together um, how they got to that state the commit history and which all this can lead them to being very easily distracted so um that's that's uh, the the reasoning behind behind doing that absolutely I, I guess you know this is some you know self-directed exercise. There's some there's a framework. There's there's parameters. I, I could definitely see that 
when it comes to actual, you know, FaceTime with an engineering leader, in this case, you're the, you're the CTO, your time, uh, how does that work? Like, how, how do you determine how much time you should spend with somebody? Obviously, you have other priorities, but you main priorities to get somebody ramped up and be productive. Um, how, how do you go about figuring that out? Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is something that we um, are uh, currently figuring out. Yeah, to be honest, um, there are a number of teams that are already established. You know, our core value prop is integrations, and so our integrations team. There's a number of engineers on there, and they can assist each other. They regularly take meetings. They help get their local setups. And usually, when an engineer comes on uh, for this team, they will almost never interact with me. Minus um, you know some one on ones, uh, which I think are important. I'll touch on that separately. But um, uh, if if the, the the best case scenario is there is an existing team that they can jump in on where they have mentors and when they have questions they can post things um, and interact with those team members to help them pair program or whatever it may be um, for some more senior uh, positions where um, things haven't exactly been established and we're bringing someone in to define new processes and um, tools and systems that haven't been created before. Um, it's uh, at our current stage, these teams are usually, you know, teams of like, you know, one or two. And so this person may be um, uh, the only person they may talk to is, is myself or um, at most, maybe one other engineer to understand how a system got to that state and some of the design decisions. Fortunately, there's a lot of documentation and things both inline out in the code and um, externally on Confluence and Notion and other um, uh, like documentation um, team team tools, um, but uh, yeah, for for those uh, those will usually um, be a little bit more hands on um, and ad hoc, um, and the goal is to eventually get these teams to a place where new engineers can come in and have mentorship. One important thing to note is if someone's coming in and there's not an existing team, it's important to hire senior engineers um, because they can pave the way and they need a lot less guidance. They can look at a system and hold all these different ideas in their head, understand how something came to be, understand design decisions, poke around with themselves. And then as they understand the conventions, they can build on top of them and avoid while interacting in a minimal sense. If you bring on uh, two junior engineers in areas that don't have team members working on, then uh, you as the the manager are going to end up holding their hand and it's going to detract from your time uh, in other areas that need you. Absolutely. And I guess when, when you mentioned, you know, you, you, you obviously the, the more well-formed teams, you can you know incorporate, you know, non-senior people, there's uh, a structure to help them, you know, ramp up smaller teams, senior hires, maybe they're more independent. And I guess when it comes to, you know, your time, you know, initially one-on-ones, um, what, what, what do you talk, you know, what do you talk to them about? What is kind of the, some of those conversations when, when you're involved in some of those one-on-ones? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have a document that I've created um, that I've iterated on over the years. It started with just, you know, one or two questions, um, like, you know, how's your week? Um, but over the, uh, over the years, it's slowly developed. And one thing that uh, I found from a, a previous mentor who recommended this to me, um, is that the most important question you can ask is, uh, what's your biggest blocker, right? You know, what's holding you back from doing your best work? 
And so each week when we're talking to new engineers as well as you know, engineers who've been on the team, I'm giving them the space and the opportunity to tell you, hey, this is what's holding me back. Here's where I spent most of my time this week. Um, that in itself has, has probably been um, the biggest area um, uh, in terms of uh, us as like managers, uh, not just myself, but like my co-founder, chief of staff, et cetera, being able to provide the resources that engineers need. Um, it helps guide uh, decisions um, uh, in terms of where we should allocate engineering. Um, there's you know work that has to go on product, but if there's um, a lack of tooling um, or maybe the tools that we use get in the way of development, um, then there's a strong argument why we should be investing time refactoring these things so that our throughput and output, you know, goes, uh, goes up. Um, additionally, during this time, um, I'll ask them for feedback on, uh, team members and you know, people around them. Usually this is, um, it's filled with praise. And so I can you know, go to those other team members and find, you know, who has been, um, helping new team members quite a bit. I've been able to identify managers and leaders, uh, through this by the praise that uh, people have given, uh, during these one-on-ones. Um, I've also been um, able to uh, find where other people may need help because you know someone uh, can let me know privately in a meeting like, hey, I think this person's struggling and they may need some help here. Um, we are often you know working in you know, some other capacity and we can't see everything going on, especially with uh, you know work uh, from home or remote culture. And so um, we really need to rely on our team members to tell us you know what's going on and, and give them the opportunity to do so um during this time i'll also check in on their mental health um see if there's anything going on at home anything they want to talk about and um, really just take the time to connect with them i see all of my coworkers as my friends and uh during this time we'll talk about you know their partners at home or you know their parents or trips that they're going on and i think that connection is is incredibly important um Personally, it's uh, I. I believe I, I only want to work with my friends, <laughs> uh, and otherwise, I wouldn't enjoy what I was doing. And I think it's important for me to let them know that um, we have a have a real relationship. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I think you know when you you know mental health being remote before you used to at least uh, you know be able to offer hey you know I'll take you to lunch or let's go get coffee uh, and whatnot to to help ease somebody into the team and assimilate them. And now it's like. Hey, you want to jump on the Zoom? I want to see how you're doing. Um, so obviously you have different levels of uh, people that you hire. You have different structures, different mechanisms, support systems. But obviously as as you hire more people, it requires time from the existing team to be supportive, to provide that structure. But they still have to deliver. They still are involved in a sprint. Like you know, how much planning does it take to make sure that they have that time carved out, that they can provide the necessary time to the new hire? Yeah, I think, you know, this is, this is different from organization to organization. Um, the, the mechanism that I've developed um, is a mix of things. So um, when we're doing sprint planning, um, and it's usually me and at least one other engineer, eventually this will be like an engineering manager. Um, as I create the task, I assign sprint points to them. And um, the the points are derived by uh, two properties, um, variability and estimated engineering hours. And so the, the estimated engineering hours will be depending on who this is assigned to. I think it should take them this long, right? So if it's a junior engineer, you know, give them more time. If it's a super 
you know, senior engineer, I'll be like, okay, this should take you like half an hour. Um, then the variability is low, medium, high, um, where if it's a simple thing, like a copy change, right? Like that thing should take that amount of time. Um, whereas if it's, um, maybe touches a new, a few microservices might take a little bit of debugging can be medium. And then if it's but creating new systems and processes that don't exist and all this, then, you know, high. Um, so low times one, medium times two, high times three. So if I uh, believe it should take this engineer one hour and it's slow, then it's, uh, the sprint points are one. If uh, I think it's going to take them three hours, but it's high, right, I'm going to assign them nine points. Um, I use this to determine how many hours, right, this, uh, uh, to assign them per week, where um, everyone should be working probably about you know, 35, 40 a week. Um, so I will then retract this um, based off of uh, someone's responsibilities, where, for example, we had an engineer who transitioned into a product manager and he's doing an amazing job. Um, but when he first started, uh, he wanted to try out being a product manager, it was split 50-50. You know, and so I reduced his load to about you know, 15, 20 points a week um, before eventually wanting that down to zero. There are other engineers who have responsibilities like you know, managing. And I found from um, the one-on-ones, they spend a lot of time reviewing PRs. They spend a lot of time training new engineers, answering questions, pair programming, things like that. Um, and I will lower uh, their, I'll lower their um, allocation because I know that they're doing a lot of that work. Um, then... You know, over time, I can analyze their output. And so uh, we have some engineers who, you know, every week, you know, there's, they're pushing it, they're pushing it, they're pushing them. And so um, a few of them may have, you know, more than, you know, 40, you know, hours assigned, um, but it takes them much, much less than that. And eventually, I was like, you know, you iterate, um, you get to a pretty good understanding of uh, what each person can handle and um, what, how long each task should take them, as well as what their other duties are. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, you have to make sure you, you know, the team's velocity to be able to, you know, give them an opportunity to properly do the job and still be a support for, you know, somebody you're onboarding. Um, and I think we've kind of talked about a lot of ICs. I was just curious, are, are you also hiring a lot of managers right now? Or is that going to be something you need to start incorporating in the process? Yeah. So we've uh, started bringing on product managers over the last few months. So we've got you know, two product managers on like the sales side. Um, uh, there's uh, um, some more managerial positions. Um, within engineering, we're about to hire our first engineering manager. And so we have a few candidates that we're looking at now. And I'm very, very excited about that. Um, we tried uh, internally uh, using engineering managers, but I found that um, that's not for everyone. And people um, may think that this is where they're you know, like the, the next uh, logical progression of their career is, but that's not the only way to progress your career. You know, if you're an IC, you might um, become an architect instead, right? Or um, focus on other types of individual contributor work um, and not necessarily manage people. And some people are, they know that they want to manage people. Some haven't managed people, but they think that they want to manage people and um, it takes some experimentation. Um, at this stage of our company, you know, we recently closed our Series A and we're really trying to um, put fuel on the fire right now and get to the, the next stage quickly. And so we want to experiment a little bit less um, at this stage, at least from um, um, uh, 
organizational point of view and bring on people who have done these things before. Um, so now looking externally to bring on an engineering manager. Absolutely. I, I guess when we're talking about, you know, you're onboarding somebody and, and helping them get up to speed. Um, do you, and I, you mentioned you're bringing, you know, first engineering manager higher on, uh, any thoughts around how, you know, you're going to help that person ramp up. I mean, obviously you have some history from, from the ICs, but the EM role is a little bit new. Um, any adjustments you'll make or any thoughts on how you'll approach that? Yeah, I, I think this role is particularly important. Um, one thing that our engineers regularly tell me on like one-on-ones is that they feel because I'm an engineer and I'm still you know, programming here and there, um, it, it makes me a much better manager because when things take much longer, I can, I can just smile and be like, I understand why that would take that long. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Um, and if uh, there's something that they can't figure out, I can you know, sit down and pair program with them, which I don't necessarily expect an engineering manager to you know get in there and program with an engineer. Right. But I, I think they need you know some technical background and some understanding um, of like what's going on. Um, additionally, they need, um, I'd like them to have the same view I have on people where, you know, they're not, you know, whipping a horse, but they're, you know, instead, you know, pulling from the front and um, seeing everyone uh, as their their friends and not just their colleagues. And when you have that view, um, you understand that everyone's best interest is your own best interest. I like that. That's actually uh, that's a, that's a, that's a great way to view it, especially if you're building that type of culture. And um, yeah, the engineering manager comes in that that can understand that and has. The, the empathy to understand why it's important. I think that's going to take the team a, a far away. Totally, totally. Awesome, man. I was going to ask you, um, in terms of a question, it could be a question, it could be a whole show topic. Um, what is it that you'd like a future guest to potentially answer? Again, it could be a question, could be a topic you'd like to hear an episode about. What do you think? Mm. I think there's two things I'm particularly interested in. Um, one, I'm making the transition from an IC to a full-time manager, right? And not just a manager, but a manager of managers. And what that looks like when there's you know two engineers versus five versus ten versus fifteen versus you know et cetera, um, I found has been completely different along the way. Um, and so I'd love to hear. Um, someone talk about that in depth, someone that's uh, uh, been a, a CTO or engineering leader from uh, pre-seed to uh, maybe IPO, <laughs> or at least, you know, like a uh, uh, growth stage, you know, series, you know, B, C, D. Then um, I guess, yeah, to, to, to build on top of that, um, I have been thinking a lot about the importance of, of what it means to be a manager. Right. And, uh, uh, executive coach that, um, I started seeing, he had a really great analogy for me and he told me, you know, my, my job is the conductor of the orchestra, right. And what, what instrument does the conductor play? Uh, he or she plays the orchestra, right. Not an individual instrument. And if I were to get in and play like the violin or, um, whatever, I would be doing the, the orchestra disservice. So someone you know coming in and who's making these transitions you know where do they draw the lines right um and if they have a passion like in my case i still love engineering right you know how do you i get that fulfillment how can i still do those things while not um doing a disservice to uh to the or orchestra and uh the 
the second thing would be, um, you know, how do you uh, find and hire great managers? <laughs> That's, uh, um, I'm really, really interested in that uh, conversation right now. Those are, I mean, I, I think some of those are great topics. Um, the the transition um, from being an IC to a manager of managers, I had uh, I had a guest on uh, Clarence uh, Unit Twenty One a couple of couple of episodes ago, and uh, he's kind of gone through the same thing as you. Um, that could be an interesting one. Maybe I need to do a roundtable and get 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 you and a couple people together and talk about that because I think that's uh, um, when you see. Uh, young entrepreneurs uh, tackling these great ideas, you know, they're all of a sudden becoming full-time managers, but like you said, managers are managers. And it's interesting to see how people um, ramp up and um, kind of learn that job because we're never taught the job of being a manager. We're expected to just, I don't know, fall into it and learn, figure it out as we go trial by fire. But um, I think that's, that's, um, that's a great one. Hopefully uh, someone that has gone through, the journey all the way to an IPO could uh, be on and talk about it. I think a lot of people like that. Um, Ishmael, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's a good way of you know, maybe uh, picking your mind on anything you mentioned or just want to contact you in general? Yeah, I'd say the best way to contact me is probably email. Um, you can uh, find me at hello at ishmaelsamuel.com. Um, that's my personal email. Um, I sometimes fall behind my Paragon email because we have um, a ton of people doing outbound um, <laughs> get us to, to spend our, our, our series a money. There you um, go. <laughs> but, uh, my, my personal email is probably better than my, my business, you know? Um, but, uh, Instagram, I'm on there uh, every day. Just Ishmael, Ishmael, the destroyer. Ishmael, the destroyer. We'll, we'll make sure we add those, to the show notes. Hey man, um, you're busy. Thanks for coming on sharing. I think uh, super great insights. It's kind of real time process. Some of it as well. So you, I, I appreciate the fact that you shared. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for having me on here. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Awesome, man. That's it for this episode. We'll be back again, different guests, different topic. Uh, until, until next time, two things. One, if you are someone that can speak to some of the topics that Ishmael mentioned, reach out. I think some of these are great. Um, I think a lot of people can benefit from uh, uh, producing this type of content, get the knowledge uh, out there and share it with everyone. Secondly, if you like the episode, share it. That's really how we've been growing. Um, I keep saying that, but but recently I've been pushed into trying to do some more social media. So it might not all be organic, but I appreciate the fact that uh, people share the pro, you know, the, the podcast, and that's really still how I think um, we grow most meaningfully. Um, that's it for now. Until next time, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>